Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. If you want to turn to John chapter 2, John chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. This is somewhat of a famous passage, and maybe if you're unfamiliar with it, we'll talk about it today. John chapter 2, the title of the message this morning is How to Renew When, you're, when You've Ran Out. How to Renew When You've Ran Out. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. John is in the New Testament. Um, if you're familiar where the New Testament is, that's all right. It's about halfway through your Bible. Um, you'll, you'll come to the New Testament and the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then the last one is John. If you went to Acts, you went a little too far. Uh, John chapter 2. Once you're there, if you stand as we read God's Word together. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? I can tell you, if I talked to my mother that way, I'd get smacked. Anyway, my hour has not yet come, Jesus said. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone jars there for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now became wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants had drawn the water new, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine next. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is alive and that is truth. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive from your word, that it, we would be shaped and molded to be more in love with you and draw closer to you. Father, that your word would be planted in our heart, that it would produce fruit that is pleasing to you. We give this day to you. We ask that you would anoint these lips of clay and flesh, that they would be your words and not mine. We thank you, Father. We're nothing without you. Have your way today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Now, I don't know uh, about you, if you've been to a wedding, or those of you in the room that have been married, um, especially the women in the room, you know that the worst thing that could ever happen to you is to have your wedding collapse right before your eyes. 
That's what's going on in this passage. This bride that she had planned for since she was a little girl, just like girls today all over the world, was planning on her wedding day, looking forward to her wedding day. She's excited about it, ready to go. And as her wedding day approaches, as it comes, the ceremony itself went on without a hitch. Everything went well. He said, I do. She said, I do. Everybody's happy. Everything went well until they get to the, the feast afterwards. And in Jewish custom, the feast would last for seven days. The ceremony was rather short, and the feast would last seven days. And so as they're at the after party, as they're at the celebration, everybody's there, and they're drinking wine. They're having a good time. But the wine runs out. As the wine runs out, this would be a total disaster, a major faux pas in Jewish custom, and not only that, it would be extremely embarrassing. Almost the worst thing that could happen other than the groom not showing up. This is the worst thing that could happen to a bride on her wedding day. It is embarrassing to the bride. It's embarrassing to her family. Now today in our culture, we just said, we'll go to Giant Eagle and get some more stuff. But in that day, it was a big faux pas. It reflected extremely poorly on the family. You're not prepared for the wedding. It reflected poor on the wedding. It was a shame on that family forever. I mean, until that family died, they would be talking about the disaster at that wedding that they ran out of wine. That's the one thing that you don't do. The ring bearer can fall asleep. He can cry for his mom. He can fall down the steps. That's all fine. You know, the flower girl, we could light the church on fire. That's fine. Just don't run out of wine. That's what you don't do. And at this party, we don't know how many days they're into the celebration, but obviously someone didn't do their job. Somebody didn't prepare for the wedding feast. And so they run out of wine during this wedding feast. And Jesus is there. He got an invitation. He had an RSVP. He had the steak, not the fish, at the wedding. No, that's not in the Bible. I just made that up. But nonetheless, he's at the, he's at the wedding with his disciples. And most likely, this person that the wedding is at, their home, is a very wealthy person. We know that for a couple reasons. A, they had servants. Not one, but servants. So in order in that day to have servants in your home, you had to be very wealthy. Secondly, it said they had six stone jars for Jewish perseverance purification. In other words, uh, for a mikvah, which was a Jewish kind of baptismal bath that you would cleanse yourself before you would go to worship. So the fact that you would have one of these in your own home, a mikvah in your house, tells us this person is extremely wealthy. So they have Jesus, they have the disciples, it's a wealthy person, and many commentators and scholars believe that the person of this wedding in Cana, which is not very far from Nazareth at all, um, you could walk there in a few hours, and nonetheless, this was probably a relative of Jesus. So Jesus has some, some wealthy relatives on some side of his family. John tells us later, the guy that writes this, he was an eyewitness to this event, and he writes and tells us that this was the first miracle Jesus performed. Now, a quick side note, the Gospel of John is unique compared to all the other Gospels in the Bible, the other three. The other three Gospels are called synoptic Gospels, which means they're, they're in sync together, not like the boy band in the early or late 90s and 2000s. This is a different type of in sync, but they're synchronized together. John is different in that he gives uh, not a different version, but a different angle of Jesus' life. The entire Gospel of John is built around seven major miracles that Jesus did to prove he is God's son. So these seven major signposts or wayposts to prove who Jesus is, and this is the first one. So Jesus is at the wedding, the, the run out of wine, 
and Jesus is there having a good time with his disciples. And then all of a sudden, someone comes in and tells Mary, hey, we're running out of wine. What, what should we do? Mary uh, wisely goes to her son. And obviously, by this account, she knows who her son is and what he's all about. She goes to her son and, and says, Jesus, you need to do something about it. Jesus says, woman, what does this have to do with me? Again, if I said that to my mom, I'd get smacked. I'd be eating soap for dinner that night. But Jesus says, woman, what does this have to do with me? And the other part is, my hour has not yet come. Jesus' hour is his death on the cross. And Jesus understands, if I perform this miracle today, the clock starts ticking on my Messiahship until the cross. He understands that if I do this miracle, then the clock immediately starts ticking until a one-way ticket to the cross. That's why he says, are you sure you want me to do this? But I love what Mary does. Being the smart Jewish mom that she is, she ignores her son completely. I've been ignoring my, my, my parents many times. She ignores her son. He gives her a very gentle rebuke. Hey, this isn't my time yet. I'm not ready quite for the cross yet. That'll happen some other time. She ignores that completely, doesn't even address Jesus again. The rest of this passage doesn't even acknowledge him. Instead, she goes to the servants there and says, do whatever he tells you to do. I don't need to know about it. I'm not going to micromanage. I'm not going to look over your shoulder. I know who my son is. I trust my son. And whatever he tells you to do, you do it. I'm going to go back to the wedding and help serve the meal. It's amazing. Jesus there looking over at the side of the, uh, in the doorway of the house, there's six stone jars and, and in the Bible the number seven is a really big thing it's the number of perfection we see seven all the way in the Old and the New Testament it's interesting that John says there's only six stone jars why would that be well we'll get to that in a little bit later but it's, it's interesting that John makes note of that first thing we want to talk about on how to renew when you've ran out is temporary resources totally run out verse 3 and when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, again, understand in this day, wine is not just something that we drink. And, and, and if people drink wine today, I guess just to drink it, I don't know. But, but in this day and in the Bible, most often wine is a symbol of joy. In fact, Scripture says that in Psalms that, that to drink wine, be merry, and, and our, our heart overflows as if it overflows with wine for joy of the Lord. So in that day, wine is a symbol of joy. So you could almost say that Mary goes to Jesus and says these words, Jesus, they've ran out of joy. They had joy at the beginning of the celebration, but now, for whatever reason, they didn't prepare, they weren't thinking ahead, but their joy has ran out. In other words, Jesus, the source of their joy is now over. The, the, the resource that they had that supplemented, that provided, that helped them out was temporary, and it has now extinguished and expired. Their joy has ran out. The celebration is over. What was once a source of joy has now completely expired. My question is, what do you do when your joy runs out? Your, your resource in your life, what is it that provides you joy? That if it was to run out, how would you react? Every week when I get that paycheck, that's a symbol of joy for me. What if you quit getting that paycheck? You're laid off. Every week when I'm around my family, heaven forbid something happened to your family, that that source, that resource dries up. 
What would you do in your life if, if your money was gone, if your family was gone, if all was gone, if your joy, in other words, your resource ran out? How would you react? How would you respond? What would you do? That's exactly what happened. What do you do when your money, your career, that relationship ends? The truth and the reality is, if those things are your source or resource, they will run out. There is an expiration date on every relationship in this room, even marriages. There's an expiration date. When you die, that's it. There's an expiration date on your career, on your job. Someday you'll retire. And if your resource is that job, what will you do if that's taken away from you? If your resource is your, is your spouse or your resource is your income, what would happen if that's taken away? How would you react? Because they will. And you're going to be left empty, just like at this wedding. There's so many people who this is reality for them. Their joy is politics. Their joy is money. Their joy is their career. Their joy is that relationship. Their joy is any and everything else except Christ alone. And they're heartbroken when they realize it has ran out. It has expired. What I once draw a resource of joy, a resource of peace, a resource of purpose in my life is now over and done with. And many people panic and many people uh, have breakdowns and so on. But not Mary. Mary is smart enough to realize, I understand that they didn't plan ahead. I understand that they've run out of joy. I understand that their resource has now dried up and they don't know what to do. So I know what to do. I'll go to my son. I know who he is. I know what he's all about. Mary understands how to renew when you've ran out. Her temporary resource of this family has totally run out. You know what Jesus says later on in this same gospel in, in John chapter 11? He says, drink from me and you will never thirst again. So the idea is Jesus is saying, hey, if you make me your source, not just a resource. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Resources expire and dry up. But if I am your source, there is no end to me. There is no limit to me. I do not dry up. If you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. If I am your source of peace, then no matter what happens to you, Romans chapter 8 tells us, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither life nor death, height, nothing. Hell itself cannot pry God's grip from your life and if Jesus is your source it doesn't matter what around you dries up because your source is a well deep inside of you you've drunk from Jesus and you'll never thirst again Mary understands this principle quite well the bigger theological point of what's going on and I wish we had time to fully explore that but but what many people believe commentators believe that John is doing and Jesus is doing in this passage is drawing a comparison why would his first miracle have to do with wine at a wedding? Why? That's, that's just the, why not heal somebody from leprosy or raise them from the dead or something? Why wine at a wedding? Because the bigger point that's going on here, and again, I wish we had time to explore it, is what's taking place. Jesus, remember the six stone jars? It's, it's incomplete. There's not a seventh jar. Six stone jars there. Jesus takes that, and they've ran out of wine. It, dry, it drew up. Now Jesus says, take the six jars, 
fill them with water, and now Jesus says, it's going to be new wine, and it's going to be better wine. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am the new covenant. I am the new wine, and I, the resource, am better than the old resource of the Old Testament. In other words, Jesus says, I am better than the law of Moses. I am better than the Old Testament. I have come to fulfill that. That was incomplete. That was the six stone jars that left you high and dry, that couldn't fill you up, that couldn't satisfy you where when you were thirsty. But if you'll drink from me, I'll never sat, you'll never be hungry or thirsty again. I overflow my wine. I am the new covenant and better than the old wine. It's amazing when you see it that way, that Jesus is taking that. Temporary resources totally run out. Second thing I want to look at is obey without delay, verses 4 and 5. So we have a problem. We've ran out of joy. Our resource that we once relied upon for our peace, for our hope, for our joy, for our love, for our meaning in life has now been extinguished. That relationship broke up. We got fired from our job. What we were once relying on has shattered all around us, and we're left high and dry. We're left thirsty. We're left without joy. What do we do? Mary has the answer, verses 4 and 5. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Mary knows who her son is. She knows he is God in the flesh. How does she know that? Well, before he was born, an angel said to her, the, the baby that you're going to give birth to is God's son, and he's going to deliver his people from sin. She understands that. She knows her son is. She goes to Jesus, and, and as Jesus kind of rebukes her, she ignores him. Do whatever he tells you to do. She understands my son is the answer. Think about this. If you've ever been to a fancy wedding, and that's what this was, a very fancy wedding. They had waiters, you know, and bow ties and all this nice stuff. They're at this servant hors d'oeuvres. Mary goes to Jesus. See, here's the word that they've ran out of wine. Then I'll go to the source. The resource dried up. I'm going to go to the source who is Jesus. Jesus, take care of it. Jesus says, hey, it's not my time yet. She says to the servant, she ignores Jesus completely. Do whatever he tells you. I'm going to go back and back to the wedding. As, as Jesus then turns to the servants and says, take these six stone jars. Think about that. A stone jar. John tells us here that they weighed between, they had 20 to 30 gallons of water. And they're made of stone. Not clay, not plastic stone. Why? Because again, Jewish purification. But they were extremely heavy. Jesus tells the servants, it's time to do some manual labor. I want you to fill every one of them up and go out and serve it. The servants say, okay. They don't say, I'm too busy. Jesus, this makes no sense. You have really lost at this time. Who let you in this wedding? We need to check the guest list because you don't need to be here. You're a crazy person. What are you saying to fill it up with water? These stone jars, Jesus, if you don't know, have nothing to do with a wedding or a feast, but have everything to do with Jewish pur purification. And God in the flesh, as Jesus says, yes, it may have to do with Jewish pur purification, but I'm going to use it as a source for a miracle. And so Jesus says, fill all six of them up. They go, they fill them up, and they begin to serve them. The servants do what he says. Mary says, I'm going to leave this in the hands of my son. And I don't care what he says. I don't care how landish it is. You do whatever he tells you to do. And I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to keep on moving. Is that for you today? 
Do you do that? Do you come to God and say, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. I've ran out. My resource has dried up. My source of hope and peace and purpose in life, my joy in life has dried up. What I was once counting on is now over and it's going to collapse around me. God, what do I need to do? First of all, you have to know who to turn to. Mary understood, I'm not going to go to the servants. I'm not going to go to Jesus' disciples. I'm not going to go to the bride or the groom or the father of the bride or the father of the groom. I'm going to go to Jesus. When your resource dries up, do you go to him first or do you go other places? Do you turn to him? And not only do you turn to him, but I love what Mary says. I mean, the, the faith of, of this woman. And she turns and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Do you do that? God, it's dried up. God, I have no more joy. I have no more hope and peace in life. God, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I lay this at your feet. It's a problem. I don't know how to take care of it. I don't know what to do, but I'm leaving it at your feet and I'm going to keep on moving on. I will do whatever you tell me to do. The determination, the faith that Mary had, she understood who to turn to, who the resource really was. Are you doing what Jesus has told you to do? Are you living a holy life, a sanctified life, a set-apart life? Are you drawing closer to God? Are you preaching the gospel to all? Are you making disciples? Are you the godly husband, the godly father, the godly wife, the godly mother, the godly employee, or the godly boss that Scripture tells us to be? These six stone water jars that verses 6 through 8 tell us, 20 to 30 gallons. In other words, that's about 180 gallons of water total. 180 gallons of water total in stone jars. Very, very heavy. The servants, I would imagine saying, this is crazy. This makes no sense. But nonetheless, here they are. They have to go out to the well, wherever the well was. They have to draw it up, draw the water up, pour it in there. It took them quite a while. And then they're carrying it back. It's heavy. It took probably more than one. And then they set it back in the house. And they grab the other one. And no doubt in their mind, you know probably as well as I do, they're thinking, this is crazy. This rabbi guy is nuts. This is it. I'm going to quit after today. I'm doing the most obscene thing. We're, we're supposed to be getting wine. Why don't we go to the store and buy some more wine or go to a neighbor and borrow some? I mean, getting wine out of water is absolutely crazy. I, I didn't even pass science class and I know that you can't do that. And, and this doesn't make sense, but nonetheless, they're doing it. They're doing what Jesus told them to do. Even though they didn't know what he was going to do at the end, even though it didn't make sense in the end, they did what he told them to do without delay and best we can tell, without hesitation. Are you doing what he tells you to do? No matter how crazy no matter whether it makes sense to yourself or to others around you, are you doing what he has told you to do? It's not up to you to understand how he's going to answer your prayer. It's important that you just obey. Jesus doesn't say, hey, listen, servants, or hey, Mary, hey, mom, this is what we're going to do, okay? I'm going to do a great miracle, a little abracadabra, ta-da, and I'm going to take a bow, and everybody's going to think I'm a great Messiah, a great rabbi. No. He just says, fill it up. Fill it up. Jesus doesn't always give you the full picture of how he's going to answer your prayer. Jesus doesn't always give you the full picture of how he's going to come through or how he's going to answer a miracle in your life. He doesn't always do that. In fact, he rarely, I believe, does that. What he does do is say, just trust me. Do what I tell you to do. Step out in faith. It doesn't make sense. Faith doesn't make sense. But without faith, Hebrews says, it's impossible to please God. Do what I tell you to do. It may not make sense. I will fill you in as we go along. 
but just trust me for step one. There are so many Christians who want God to answer a big miracle in their life, for God to save them, God to deliver them, but instead, God's saying, just take this first step, and I'll meet you there, and I'll tell you the next step. No, 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 God, I want to know the whole answer. I want to know how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it, and where you're going to do it. Good luck. Rarely does he answer that way. What do you think? But do you just trust me enough to take that first step? The servants began to doing without delay. Obey and do what he tells you to do. In fact, in 1 Samuel, at the end of the first king that Israel ever had, his name was Saul. He was a wicked, weird, wild guy. Saul, at the end of his reign as a king, what really ended his reign as king and removed God's blessing from him was he disobeyed God. He wanted to know the full answer of a problem, of a situation. God said, just to wait, I'll help you, I'll, I'll fill in the gaps, just wait, just stay where you are. He couldn't do that. And finally, a prophet, a man of God, comes to him, Samuel, and t tells the king, listen, it is better for God that you obey him than offer sacrifices. God would rather you obey him in the small things. God would rather you be faithful to him and take those first steps, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you can't put two and two together, even when it seems impossible, even when other people are laughing at you. God would rather you obey him than worship him or pray to him all day long. To obey, 1 Samuel says, is better than sacrifice. In other words, God puts a higher premium and value on obedience to him, do what he tells you to do, than worship and praise and prayer. Some of us are still praying. We're still seeking God, and God's saying, I'm giving you the answer. Well, no, God, that's not the whole answer. God's saying, yeah, if you just trust me for step one, I'll tell you where to go for step two. Do what he tells you to do. Third, perfect timing of the perfect source. Verses 9 through 11. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now became wine, he didn't know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn it knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana and Galilee and manifested Literally, his glory was physically there in the wine, in the wedding feast that day, and his disciples believed him. What the master of the feast is saying is, listen, once everybody gets all good and liquored up at a wedding, then we serve the poor wine because they're too drunk to know the difference. And what, what you have done is the opposite. Instead of serving, serving the best wine first, wherever you got this wine from, I don't know and I don't really need to know, but wherever you got it from is far better than the wine we began this party with. In other words, that towards the end of the feast is better than the beginning of the feast. That if you will trust God and do what he tells you to do for a miracle in your life and trust him and stand back and leave it at his, in his feet, then just stand back and watch because God's answer of the miracle will be, be better in the end than it ever was in the beginning of your life. The new wine is better than the old wine. Again, the bigger theological point. Jesus, here and now, is better than the Old Testament. What seemed like a crisis is really an opportunity for a miracle. What is the crisis in your life? What is it in your life that, like an egg, is beginning to shatter and fall apart around you? 
and understand that crisis can be a miracle. Every crisis, I believe and I know that I know, every crisis for the Christian is really an opportunity for a miracle. Not just God to answer prayer. There's a difference between God answering your prayer and God doing a divine, supernatural miracle in your life. And that's exactly what happens here. What was a crisis to the bride, to the bridegroom, and to their family, what was going to be an embarrassing shame in this, in this scenario, the crisis turned into a celebration because Jesus showed up, because they did what Jesus told them to do. When their temporary resources ran out, they obeyed without delay, and Jesus' perfect timing, because he's the perfect source. What seems like a crisis in your life, if you'll trust him, is really an opportunity for a miracle. And again, remember what wine is, it's a symbol of joy. So what really they're saying is, Mary says in the beginning, their joy has ran out. Now towards the end, what is the, the bridegroom saying? This new joy that we have now is far better than the old joy. So in other words, whatever was a resource in your past of joy and hope and peace that is shattered and fallen apart, hey, that's okay because the resource of Christ alone is a far better source of joy and hope and peace than whatever it was in the past. And when you understand that my connection, my resource that is unending, that when I taste of Jesus, I'll never thirst again. When I understand that and I plug into him and not my job not my career not my relationships I will never dry up in other words his joy his source is better than anything else I've ever had in my life the Bible even says that in Psalms it says to taste and see that God is good it's an invitation taste try Jesus says try my wine try my joy try my peace try my purpose try my satisfaction in life because it's far better than anything you will ever experience in 2016 or that you ever experienced in 2015 it's far better than any political party it's far better than Wall Street it's far better than your career or your neighborhood or your house my source is better than any church or any pastor I will leave you satisfied forever what seemed like a crisis is an opportunity for a miracle. The joy that Jesus brings to the situation is far greater and better than the old joy. Jesus, in this miracle, again, not only with the whole Old Testament, New Testament, that he's better than the Old Testament, he's also saying, making a clear statement that I believe nobody misunderstood in that room that day, and I hope no one misunderstands today. Jesus is saying unequivocally, unapologetically, I am the source. I am the source of joy. It's me. It's not the wine that you brought to the wedding. It's not the wine that you had when you came in here. It's me. Crisis all around you that's crumbling. And if you'll do what I tell you to do, I will satisfy. I bring better joy than the old joy. He is the source. He is abundant. He is overflowing. The best is now the last. And I think this is amazing as well. Notice what Jesus does. And I love this. We see this all the time with Jesus. Jesus is not uh, Harry Houdini. He doesn't do abracadabra, shazam, you know, uh, aren't you impressed? And No, no, no. What Jesus does, he takes things that are in the natural and turns them into supernatural that only he can do. Nobody else in that room could take the water and turn it into wine but Jesus. He, we serve a God and you were just singing to a God and worshiping a God that says, hey, I don't need to just rub my hands and rub on a magic genie and, and say the rosary three times and something will happen. No, no, no. I'm a God that will take the natural things around you and use them to meet your need in a supernatural way. 
So many times we look to other sources. Oh God, it's going to be a great miracle. And oh God, how are you going to do this? And God says, yes, it's a miracle, but I am your source and I'm going to take the things that are ordinary, the things that maybe you've taken for granted, and I'm going to use them in a supernatural way. God is in the business of taking the natural and using it in a supernatural way. Isaiah 61, 61 verse 3 says this, that God has turned my mourning into dancing, my sorrow into joy. That is exactly what happened to the bride and to the groom and the families of this wedding. They were mourning. They were sad. We've ran out. Our resources dried up. What are we going to do? They ran out of joy, Mary says. Jesus says, I will turn your mourning into dancing and your sorrow into joy. There's a condition, though. You have to do what I tell you to do, and you have to understand that I am your source, nothing and no one else. The joy he brings is better than the old joy. Do what he tells you to do and leave it in his hands. What seemed like at the end of the party, beginning of a disaster, Jesus turned into a reason to celebrate. Now think about that. So they were celebrating in the beginning because of this great wedding. And Jesus kind of uh, crashes the wedding a little bit. He kind of uh, upstages the bride and groom. I'm sure maybe not on purpose, but Jesus, they, they come to that wedding reception and they're celebrating the bride and groom. But towards the end, they're not necessarily celebrating the bride and groom. They're celebrating the new wine. They're not celebrating anymore the reason that brought them there. They're celebrating the, the new wine, the new joy, the new hope, the new peace, the new purpose that Jesus is in the house and he has met our needs. He took the natural and made it supernatural. His joy in the new is better than our resource in the old. His timing is perfect. Others may think he's too late, but verse 10 tells us his timing is perfect. Notice this, the good wine comes when it's needed the most. Not too early, not too late, but right on time. What if Jesus would have done this miracle in the beginning? It real, it'd still be a miracle, but it wouldn't be as powerful. Because, well, we have the wine that Jesus has, and we have the wine that was already here. No, Jesus waits until the perfect timing. Jesus waits and says, in your life and in my life, listen, once you have expired and exhausted all of the resources out there, why don't you turn to me now? And when you turn to me, you'll figure out, because I'm not going to, uh, Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to force it on you. Jesus says, once you have come to your own senses and once you have realized that everything I was relying on, the things that brought me to this place, I thought would meet my needs and really they have dried up and expired. Jesus says, now turn to me and I will leave you satisfied. I will take the natural, turn it into the supernatural. His timing is perfect. Jesus didn't wait till it was too late. He waited till his timing is perfect in your life and in my life when you're praying and you're seeking God and you're doing what Mary says you're doing what he tells you to do you leave it in his hands trust his timing it's one thing to trust God I believe most people they they understand to trust God but what most people fail Christians is to trust in God's timing there's an old saying that I love faith in God is faith in his timing in other words when I say that God I trust you I'm not just trusting you to meet my need I'm trusting in your timing so God, I'm not going to put a stopwatch on it. God, I'm not going to time you. No, 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 God, it's your need. I'm doing what you told me to do. And I know that you're going to meet that need and your timing is perfect. His timing in this scenario was perfect. He didn't do it too early. He didn't do it too late. Right when it was needed the most. Well, yeah, but I need God the most right now. His timing is perfect. 
how to renew when you've ran out. They ran out of wine. They ran out of joy. How do you renew? Well, first, you have to understand that your temporary resources will run out. Whatever it is that you're counting on for your joy, for your purpose in life, for your satisfaction in life, it will expire. It will run out. But when you understand to go to the source, which is Christ alone, and then you obey him without delay, no matter how outlandish, no matter how crazy, but you obey without delay, and you understand that his timing is perfect because you've tapped into the perfect source. That's how you renew when you ran out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. How we love your word today. How we thank you for the miracle that you did. Your first miracle in John chapter 2. Lord, we thank you. Jesus, that you are the ultimate source. Help us as Christians not to look at resources and mistake them for the source. That's only you. Help us as followers of you to do what your mom told you to do and obey without delay. To do whatever you tell us to do, whether we understand it, whether it's the whole picture, or whether it's just step one of a 50-step process. Let us obey. To obey is better than sacrifice. And Father, let us understand that your timing is perfect. The Lord, we trust in you. We've got the perfect source that you'll never run out. You'll never expire no matter what happens around us, no matter the chaos of the world that we live in that gets worse every day. Our resource will never run out. That's you. Father, let us understand that you take ordinary things around us and turn them into miracles. And that, Father, your joy, your purpose, your hope, your forgiveness, your peace is far greater than anything else in this world. The wine that you brought, Jesus, the joy that you bring, is far better than any other joy we could ever know in this life. So, Father, if there are those in this room that are spending their life wasting time running around to other people, to other things as their source, Lord, open their eyes today. Let them see the mistake that that is and let them do what Mary says. Do whatever he tells you to do. He is the source. Father, let us trust in your timing. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.